3: On this episode of the Press This WordPress Community Podcast, our host David Vogelpole speaks with WP Engine founder Jason Cohen to discuss leveraging the power of open source to transform your business.
4: All right. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining this afternoon and for setting your clocks appropriately and uh, making it here on time. I remember uh, when we were preparing... Uh, Making sure Jason was going to be up here today, I texted him that very thing, and luckily he did adjust his clocks, and he's here. Um, But thank you for joining us, and um, today's session, we're going to be talking about the power of open source to transform your business. What are the opportunities? Um, What are the threats? What should you be thinking about? And in order to explore that topic, we're going to be interviewing someone who knows quite a bit about that. He founded uh, one of the world's leading open source focus technology companies. He's the uh, founder and CTO of WP Engine right here in Austin, Mr. Jason Cohen. You gotta clap for Jason. He's gonna be sharing some really good insights here today on open source. So this session is gonna be a little different than others you might be attending this week, and the main difference is we're going to be recording a podcast live during this session. So there's some mechanics to this, and I'm gonna explain how it's gonna work. So in a few moments, I'm gonna intro the show to the audience, those listening to the podcast recording, so you're gonna hear some of this stuff all over again. Um, But it is a recording, but I do wanna encourage you, don't feel held back to clap when appropriate, or laugh if Jason happens to say something funny. Um, please. Just happens to. This is actually kind of funny. Um, but yes, don't feel free to hold. Uh, don't don't feel like you need to hold back um, to react to anything going on. Um, we are going to have some Q and A at the end. Um, I will pass the microphone so people on the podcast can hear it. Um, if you don't want your voice on the show, if you don't want your name on the show, don't grab the microphone. Um, so that's pretty much it, and we're going to go ahead and get started and kick it off. And so I'm going to pause for a moment, and then we're going to break right into the show. So, everybody hang tight, and here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Press This WordPress Community Podcast on Webmaster Radio. This is your host, David Vogelpohl, and I'm here in Austin, Texas, during South by Southwest for our very special episode interviewing Jason Cohen of WP Engine. Jason, welcome to the show. Thanks. Great to be here. And I love that. That's our live studio audience here um, in beautiful downtown Austin at the Capitol Factory. Again, recording during South By. People have come here, tens of thousands from all around the world in technology, to talk about their businesses and to look for opportunities for growth and innovation in their business. And we're glad to be here and be part of this week and do this podcast live here during South By Southwest. So, Jason, um, one of the first questions I usually ask people is, What is your WordPress origin story? For those in the audience, this is a WordPress podcast. Um, So I'm kind of curious about that. And I'm also curious how that connects to your origin story with WP Engine. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about how you got here. Yeah, actually, they're both the same story. So I can can
5: just tell that. So uh, this is my fourth startup, WP Engine. um, And in the previous one, SmartBear, I had this idea that everyone would... Uh, write on a blog and that would become the voice of the company, sort of like 37 Singles did. And this was in like 2004 where writing a blog was cool. And so, um, so I did but then nobody wrote on it but me. And so it sort of de facto came, became my blog. And if you don't know what a blog is, it's sort of like a, a, a column in a newspaper. And, uh, and so when I left SmartBear, uh, I, I, uh, I had sold it in 2007 and left in 2009, and I was a stay-at-home dad for a year. And at, while I was doing that, writing was a way to stay intellectually connected to the rest of the world and um, <clears throat> and not have deadlines or other kinds of uh, expectations or obligations. So I kept writing, and it became popular. And then my site kept crashing, because if you get a lot of traffic, uh, you know it's hard for the server to keep up. And so I would uh, ask other blogger friends I knew, hey, uh, when you have a site running on WordPress, which is the most popular way to have actually any website, not just blogs, um, of the internet today, by the way, is WordPress. Of the entire internet is WordPress, so that's pretty amazing. Anyway, so I said, you know, what do you do to keep WordPress fast and stay up and everything? And they said, well, I don't know, but if you find it, tell me, because I need that. (laughs) And that was the birth of WP Engine, and that was about eight years ago in 2010. And now we have about uh, almost 80,000 customers, and we just crossed 100 million in annual revenue. So as you can see, a lot of people needed that, and <laughs> still do. And uh, and also, WordPress is, c- is completely open source, as well as many of the other technical components of how we build the company. Of course, we have a lot of unique intellectual property and other things we do, uh, like have a tremendous ser- service department, for example, which is about half the company of 500 people. And so, uh, so there's a lot of things besides that, but uh, open source is, is the heart of, of our technology stack and also why people buy in the first place. And so we're a great example of What it looks like with something that's quote-unquote free like open source um powering a company that is you know large and growing and has real revenues and uh, that's revenue by the way if you're from san uh, San francisco not active users i mean like dollars dollars (laughs) i know you don't know what those look like but it's like that
4: so your wordpress origin story was you were creating content in the blog and then your WP Engine origin story was more around uh, identifying a need that you had and seeing that there was a hole there and trying to fill it. So when you took this, what opportunities did you see focusing your business on open source? Um, was it, was it, was it, were, were there opportunities you saw for growth? Um, was it not even part of the equation and you were just trying to fill a need? Um, how did you think about those things when you were deciding what to focus on? So I didn't make a conscious decision of, oh, this has to be open source focused. But it is
5: open source uh, central. And why is that? Because when an open system, which means everybody can use it, can contribute to it, and can take advantage of it as well, um, uh, it's possible for it to thrive. I say possible, because of course, most open source projects don't. They just sit around and, you know, a few zealots like it, and that's it. But it's possible for it to take off. And, of course, there's many examples of this happening. So for the ones that do, you can build a whole community around it, and I mean, or an ecosystem, and I mean those in the real, kind of the real fundamental senses. Community means people helping each other out with common interests, like having a project that they all like working on, that they're a part of building, they're a part of evangelizing, and that they make money on. That's why it's both a community and an ecosystem, meaning a place where people actually make more money than they would if they didn't participate in that system. And so people who build sites on WordPress um, are making a living because WordPress is there. And people who, who make software that integrates with WordPress are making more money because people want to make that integration. And in WordPress, we call those plugins, things you can kind of add in. And because it's open, meaning you can see all the code and you can do what you want with it, it enables people, whether they're building sites and selling their time, or people who are building software products and selling the products, it enables them to do that because it is open. And if we were a closed system, none of that would be possible. And so while I didn't say like, okay, this is an open source company, the fact is it was built on open source stuff. And also the reason WP Engine can exist is also because it was open. So, we're also a participant, which also means, by the way, that we have to be a contributor. We can't just be a taker. Um, I'm sure we're going to talk about that too at some point. But, I mean, to truly be part of the community, of course, it's both. Um, and that's another thing that doesn't really happen with uh, close uh, software. You just buy it and that's it. There's no kind of two way street. Um, so, the community afforded, afforded uh, WP Engine existing at all. And the fact that it was open afforded that. And uh, as opposed to saying, I'm building an open source company.
4: So the opportunities you saw were in the community and the ecosystem. In other words, a bit like stone soup, right? We're all going to contribute for the greater good. And um, I'm guessing one of the other opportunities was that, you know, your customers didn't have to spend millions of dollars on licensing like uh, with Sitecore or something similar to that, Uh, a um, digital experience platform or content management system proprietary so these are kind of obvious advantages, I think. Um, you know, kind of when you look at that uh, open source, these are a lot of the things people queue in on. What were some things that surprised you along the way in terms of, like, opportunities or advantage? Like, oh, I didn't see that coming. Um, what's something that was uh, surprising to you? So
5: <clears throat> uh, one thing that was surprising is normally when you make any company, the question is, is the market that I'm going in big enough and is it growing as well? In other words, is it healthy and expanding? And whether you're in a tiny niche and you're hoping for that to expand or you're trying to take over the world and therefore you want a big, huge market, either way you want to see that. Um, WordPress is, 30, again, 30% of the internet now. And even then it was something like 12%, which is still a lot when it's of the internet. That's still a large amount. So one surprising thing was the power of that and that, that, uh, that, that growth, which again is caused by having a community because they all, in a sense, everyone in the community is like a salesperson or an evangelist for the community. It's a self-reinforcing concept because everyone does benefit if it grows. So, uh, so that was a, a surprising of how much the market could grow because you're part of a thriving community as opposed to latching onto some company or some system and just hoping that that works out. <clears throat> Another surprising thing was a lot of people say things like, well, open source must be less secure. Because think about it, the bad guys can just look at the code figure out how to exploit it, and then exploit it. So that's very logical, and, and of course bad guys do that. <laughs> that is what bad guys do. So the surprising thing I think for many people, me too, is is uh, uh, yes, but also everyone else can do that to make the code better ahead of the bad guys, and when that happens, everyone can get the code immediately. One of the things I think we all now know looking back over the uh, the various public breaches over the even just last one year, not to mention you know 10 years, um, is that it's constant. There's always stuff happening, and the only question is, are you being told? Like Yahoo knew about the, the half a billion accounts years ago. We only just found out because of Verizon, right? Like Otherwise, we would have never found out. So what is lurking there? And the answer is many things. And with open source, the difference is that we can find out what they are and fix them, and when it's closed, you don't. You just get an update from Apple, and it says various fixes. And you're like, hmm, <laughs> I wonder what's in that. And so uh, whereas with open source, you know. And so <clears throat> you know, they say sunlight is the best disinfectant. That's true. Of course, that's not automatically true. You have to be you know, vigilant and purposeful about seeking that out. And of course, the WordPress community is. And so WordPress is one of the most secure things you can get. Um, uh, exactly for that reason, because so many people use it, so many eyeballs are on it, um, so many uh, good security folks are on top of it, and so forth. And so it's it's incredibly secure, which might be the opposite of what you would think of when you think of an open system.
4: You know, it's funny you bring that up. There was an article recently about some of the iPhone source code being released publicly, and there was a security researcher that had posted this previous version. And Apple claimed it was a few versions back. And the questions came up, is that going to make the iPhone more secure? And of course, the people that were first looking through that code were doing the same thing the researcher was doing, which was looking for vulnerabilities. And I think it's interesting to think about that in an open source context, and it's open. Of course people are looking for those vulnerabilities, and they have for a long time, and they found a lot of them, and those have been exposed and patched. And then I think the other thing that's interesting about it is unlike the source code on your iPhone, your uh, internal security group can do testing against it and can audit it and look for their own holes. And organizations are doing this and I I think that is one of the things people overlook like oh my goodness the source code is public people can most certainly find vulnerabilities in it but that's actually its strength not really its fundamental weakness and and I'd say yeah
5: that that's that's exactly right (coughs) it is strength and uh, another another surprising thing was how we were received by the community including competitors I mean, in most markets, you, of course, you expect to enter the market and then to immediately uh, fight. <laughs> fight over customers, fight for attention. Like, it's a battle, right? Like Everyone's fighting over the, whatever the size of the market is. Even if it's big, we're still fighting over people, right? And the WordPress community feels very different. Um, once you have a community that, where the culture is that of openness and sharing, um, you may not fight in just the same way. So, for example, it's really common in WordPress where some new company comes out with a plugin or a hosting company. I mean, after us, there's been dozens of companies that are competitors, and it's amazing to see the reception that they get on places like social media or uh, or events or on you know, prominent um news sources for the for the community, it's always positive. And you can always see the com- their their competitors saying, Hey, welcome. WordPress is big, thirty percent of the internet's a lot of people, there's room for everybody. So welcome, come on in. And that is the normal thing that you see in WordPress. And um that's surprising, because that's not how markets normally work. But now part of that is because the market's big and growing. If it was small and shrinking, I don't know that you'd get the same reception. But okay, fine. That's fine. It's all part, but it is all part and parcel of a successful community. A successful open community is probably that it is uh, open and growing.
4: So when I started my career in 96, I remember thinking, geez, I wish I had gotten in on the early days of the internet. And uh, I think that's kind of funny today, because of course, I think people think about those times as being you know, some of the origin times. And even then, it was different. So people in this audience are likely starting businesses where their technology or their market is maybe perceived as capped, right? If I'm rolling into a CMS platform, and it's at the time you started WP Engine, you mentioned it was 12% of the web. And that was leading by many points over uh, Joomla at that time. So what are your thoughts around, geez, this really has just hit its cap. It it doesn't have anywhere else to go. Um, What are are your thoughts around that? Was that a fear when you started WP Engine? Uh, There were also, of course, a lot of hosts in the space at the time. Um, How did you see those opportunities? Or did you see, did you just dismiss all that and just go for it? What were your thoughts on that?
5: Yeah, I mean, something that's 12% of the internet doesn't have to grow for it to be a big opportunity. It's like, well, I'm a krill in the Pacific Ocean, but maybe someday I'll be a blue whale, but it's still the Pacific Ocean, who cares? Like, it's just so vast, right? But I think there's, there's, many, there's obviously many ways to build a company. So for example, another way is to intentionally pick a small pond and then own it. That's also a way to have, there's a cap and so forth. Also though, you can be very focused. You can absolutely be the best in that pond be, exactly because others are looking for bigger waters and not paying as much attention or not focusing or not doing as good a job there. Um, so, I mean, you can, th- there's many ways, there's not one correct way, right? So I think, I think that it's actually the reverse, uh, the reverse decision. In other words, first, what is the market like? What, therefore, what should I do here? Also, what are my goals as a founder? So, for example, um, some founders say my goal is to never have an employee, because other people suck. That's exactly why I'm doing this. So I don't have to like work with other people and I, I, I
4: work at your company, Jason, by the
5: way. <laughs> I know. <laughs> some some founder, some founders. Uh, right? And so that's that's a perfectly good, perfectly valid, you know, thesis for a company well, then you don't necessarily need a huge growing market, yada, yada. You could, you could, A niche might be exactly what you should do, right? Rather than try to duke it out with people who do have armies of people and lots of money, that might be a difficult route. On the other hand, you can play the little guy card or little gal card, right? Like It's just me, so you should buy for me, and that actually works pretty well. And if you just want to stay small, that's enough. Uh, there, I like the word boutique because a boutique is something that costs a lot of money. It's, you're buying it from a particular person, it's not a corporation, it's the person. And also they're not there on off hours. Just sorry, there's no tech support, there's no phone. That's how a boutique works. If they're not at the shop, they're not at the shop, right? And so a boutique is a great way to charge a lot of money, have it be personal, and there's no big company in the whole world that can compete on those terms with a boutique. A boutique is also not a multinational company, right? And it's, and it's a perfectly great company. So again, um, I think it's, it, instead it's, it's like, what kind of company do I want? What do I want as a, as, as a found, found, founder or a founding team uh, person? Um, then what sort of markets do I need? So on the other hand, if you're like, no, I, I want to if I don't have a billion dollars of revenue in 15 years, it's gonna be a failure. Like, okay, well, and you can't have a teeny tiny little niche that's shrinking, like that's not, it's not compatible, right? So it's more about what are my goals? What's the market that I'm in? Am I building a company that's compatible with those things? If it's incompatible, then it's probably bad. Uh, Otherwise, perfectly good.
4: Okay, very interesting thought. So to get us back to open source here for a second, We talked a little bit about the opportunities you saw with having WP Engine be focused on open source, one of those being uh, the community and the ecosystem. Now, I talked to quite a few people uh, who are evaluating whether to use open source in their technology stack or not, and they have a whole list of uh, concerns. Security was one which you touched on. Um, You know, the the evolution of the framework itself can sometimes be worrying. Like, oh my goodness, is it going to change in a direction? Um, That's not in line with my business. So I'm just curious like what fears did you have starting a business focused on open source and were those fears justified? So I definitely do not think uh, Open
5: source or its direction and so forth should be feared any more than a closed source platform I think just building on a platform comes any of any kind comes with um, things that you could maybe fear so let's talk about those in us just a second But just to address the open-source component like uh, well What if WordPress went in some direction that were incompatible with us? Well, what if we pick some other platform and that company that's managing that platform took it in some other direction? Um, everyone who's built an app on top of Twitter learned that when Twitter turned off the API so like It's not like that doesn't happen. <laughs> like the, Things change, period. It doesn't matter what kind of company it is. So like the fact that it's open source doesn't matter. Now, some people say open source is better here because, uh, let's say it goes in some direction you don't like. Well, you can fork it, and you can keep going in some other direction. That is technically true, but I, I would say that's not a great consolation, because if you're not going along with the rest of the community, you're not getting all those changes and those benefits, and so uh, you're, you basically have old code. And uh, that's better than not having it at all. So that is incrementally better than just being left out in the cold. So for example, if a company that you're dependent on actually goes out of business, that could take down your business. If it's open source, it's still a problem because there's no more community around it, but at least it didn't take down your business today. You can take stock of what to do, you can decide to continue with the old base, you could port to some new platform that's healthy. You're going to have to do something, but that's because the thing you depend on died, not because it's open source. At least open source, you have like a way forward. Um, so I'd say open source is, is better, although either way, you've got, you pretty much have the same kind of risk. Um, you also can see it coming with open source because people are talking about it. Like I don't know what's going on inside Facebook or Twitter or, or Google. Like, famously, we don't know what's going on inside these places, and we're trying to use this, whether it's to drive marketing or make products or whatever we're doing, but we don't know what's going on at least with open source, you can read it because it's on Slack or, where, or mailing list or whatever it is. And so at least you can see. So even if it's going in a direction you don't like, one, you can weigh in, and, and then when they ignore you, <laughs> two, like, at least you know. <laughs> You're not just surprised when some API disappears or whatever, right? Or they enter some market that it hurts you right? because it overlaps you or, what, or it's not relevant to you. So it's still better to know. So I think it's incrementally better just to have that visibility and that control. But ultimately, you do still have a risk. But that's true of any uh, technology, or doesn't even have to be a technology company, but any company, the, the major things you depend on that are critical for the thing working. Of course, if something goes awry there, that's a risk. And, and, and you have to just know that. And um, early on, you don't have time to do anything about that. It's just tough. It's just one of the risks of doing a company. Twitter turns off the API. Oh, well, that was it. Um, at, over time, though, you can decide to de-risk that you can decide to invest in de-risking it. So for example, you could say, well, we get all our data from, these, from this one source. Well, early on, that's all we can do. But you know, when we can afford to, we might add on two other sources. And that way, if one of them fails, the whole company doesn't fail. So we, uh, in fact, all companies do this in marketing. Usually you unlock some marketing channel that works really well, and that gets the company kind of going. And then you start experimenting with other marketing channels, et cetera. At some point, it's extremely brittle to just have one marketing channel, because They're fickle, as we know. And so eventually you want to have uh, many channels, and then when one declines or dies or whatever they do, that doesn't take down the company because you've got um, robustness through a variety of things. So the same thing can be true of the tech stack. So today, for example, we're on multiple clouds. So if prices change, services change, for example, this Intel chip thing made a lot of things slower, but not equally so among our different uh, infrastructure providers. So that was interesting, and since we're in multiple places, we could do something about that. Um, so, um, But early on, we were only on one, because who can afford to uh, you know, do all multiple things early? You're just trying to, not to die yourself, You're just trying to find customers. you know. So it's inappropriate early on to get too wrapped around the axle about these things. And then later on, though, you can decide... I don't like that this thing, um, they're so dependent on this thing, that makes me uncomfortable. Now I'm going to invest in in, in de-risking as opposed to maybe growth in that particular area. And then that becomes, as the company matures, that becomes more and more important that you are protecting in a way the thing that you have, um, not just trying to grow. so that comes later, but is that different from open source or closed source? Like, I, 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 is it any more dependable to depend on Google's APIs for Google Analytics or Twitter's APIs than uh, than some open source thing? I don't think so. I think it's just a risk, and and that's it.
4: It's interesting to hear you speak about it in that way. It was just through my mind, mentally listing all the companies that have been that I've been involved with, uh, one way or another, that have been impacted by these kind of surprise changes. Um, Twitter um, getting rid of their fire hose, Um, one of our vendors recently losing their data from LinkedIn, Um, the publisher impact to the recent Facebook algorithm updates, Um, people that have basically put all their eggs in one basket with no visibility into the future of, uh, of what's changing and no ability to control what happens. Uh, I agree that I would not recommend forking open source projects like WordPress because you lose the community um, and the ecosystem. Um, but it is interesting to note that you have that control. So WordPress certainly changes; um, it uh, goes through different small evolutions and large evolutions. So how does WP Engine react to that? You know, if, if you know if, if the WordPress core is the Twitter firehose, air quote for for WP Engine. If it's the technology we're based on, then how does the platform itself change and evolve with the changing ecosystem? So there's two things. One is kind of swimming with the stream, and the other one is realizing that
5: that stream is not uh, the whole story. So I think if the if if our company were only just were WordPress, um, then that would be a, a problem because whatever happens with WordPress, we're just sort of victims to whatever that is, and hopefully it's good. Um, so. When you're building a company using open source tools, that's what you have to think about. I'm using open source tools and systems, ecosystems, to actually do whatever my company really is. And you have to have some identity. That's not just the open source stuff that you're using. That's that can't be your identity. So, for example, we are we help our customers win online, and that means many things. Some of that means managing their content with WordPress, <laughs> building their content with WordPress, but um, things about uh, uh, the being enterprise grade around that, being scalable, secure and everything, that might come from tools outside WordPress. We block, for example, 100 million malicious qu- requests a day across our platform and none of that is inside WordPress. That's stuff that we built around it. Or analytics we built on top of WordPress and Google Analytics, as opposed to inside of it. Um, or developer tools for people who build WordPress sites. We we make tools, um, even though that's that's uh, outside of WordPress itself, um, to help people make the sites. In other words, our identity is to help people be successful in la- in building and launching sites, and that means things like what I just listed, uh, as opposed to it being WordPress, right? So that's true of any. Co- that's just an example. Is obviously it's true of any company that that Twitter or WordPress. That's not. That's not the company. You have some other thing you're trying to achieve for your customers and you have things you're building. Open source is part of it. So one is to realize like you're not open source or you're not the open source community. That's not who you are. You're something else that you're a part of. So that's number one. And number two is, but to the extent that you are involved in those open source projects, then you should be part of that. Part of that means going along and sometimes disagreeing and committing to things that change, or maybe maybe being involved in making those changes. You know, get get involved enough that you're you're influential because you are contributing. That's another way. Um, but, but again, even if it's not what you want, like okay, but that's part of being in a community, and it's again not different than in closed source. <laughs> At least you have visibility in it. And so even participating, meaning in in the, like in in our case with WordPress, writing code that goes back into WordPress, even that our competitors get, or other free things that people can download and put in if they want to, which in WordPress is plugins, um, or uh, um, some of our folks in tech support answer tech support email, uh, questions on online forums, or we contribute to the documentation of WordPress. We also sponsor uh, events so people can learn about WordPress, and it goes on and on of like all the things you can do to help. It's not even just writing code, right? Um, to help that community. So I think you know get involved in all those things, and then that also helps you be influ- influential only because you are in fact an active member of the community. That's why you've earned it, and. Uh, and then also realize like that that can't be your company, that you're just the, the project.
4: So you're you're you look at it as swimming along with the stream, meaning that as the project evolves, leveraging those strengths within your business and your technology stack looking for opportunities to fill holes or uh, maybe wrong word but shortcomings in the stack opportunities to in WP Engine's case create products and services that fulfill that
3: stay tuned when we come back more with David Vogel speaking with Jason Cohen the founder of WP Engine after this
2: time to plug into a commercial break stay tuned for more press this in just a moment
3: The Web Marketing Association is now accepting entries for the 2018 International Web Award Competition. Web Marketing Award winners receive an image plaque, certificate of achievement, higher visibility for your company, valuable feedback from our expert judges, and links to your site from the highly ranked Web Award site. Visit www.webaward.org to nominate your company, site, or organization. Deadline for entries is May 31st, 2018. Go to www.webaward.org and sign up today.
2: Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy to use site management tools and powerful do it your way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com.
3: Blog, blog, blog.
2: WebmasterRadio.fm. We're the talk of the town. WebmasterRadio.fm.
3: Thanks for listening.
2: WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Let's press forward with more Press This, only on webmasterradio.fm.
3: You're listening to a special presentation of Press This, as we're listening into a session presented by WP Engine entitled, Transforming Your Business with Open Source, with the founder of WP Engine, Jason Cohen.
4: So, of course, not everyone here in this room or listening is going to create a business serving the open source community or project. So, how does WP Engine then think about using other open source technologies in its own technology for either filling these holes or otherwise? Like, when should organizations choose open source? How, how do you think about that? Um, what are the risks? You know, we've talked about some of it already, but like, how does WP Engine approach that?
5: I think we primarily ask and anytime we're, we're considering a component or, or um, so solving a problem or, or filling something we need is um, is to first ask what is it that we need from that component regardless of its nature whether it's open source whether it's, it' costs a lot of money uh, is it important to the Is it fundamentally important to how we deliver things to our customers? Is it important that it be real time or can it be slow? Is it important that it be up all the time or can it be down sometimes? Um, Does it have to be very high quality or is it actually okay if it's not? Um, Is it something that's facing the customer and has to look a certain way or can it be ugly? Um, Does it matter if it fails in the future or not? Are there 10 other choices that are easy to slot in or is it very hard to replace it with something else? Um, is it something that we should build because it's, it's, um, it's uniquely important that we do it exactly our way? Or is it not important that we build it because um, it, our customers don't care if it's this thing or that thing, and so maybe we shouldn't invest um, that kind of time into it. We should instead spend money instead of time on that. So um, you could go on, but these are all the normal questions that you ask uh, to be circumspect about picking technology and so forth. So I think you just do that. And then and then sometimes there'll be, because just because it's open source doesn't necessarily mean you get all this stuff. There also has to be a thriving community around it. Otherwise, it could just be this weird half-made thing on the shelf. And that also can be open source, just like commercial products can obviously be not what they say, and just sort of sitting there and not that good. That's, you know, the, this is always true. So we just make sure we're, we're very clear. What is it that we need? What are the criteria and so forth? And then if, you know, to the extent that open, some open source project matches that, that's good and otherwise, Um, That's okay. It doesn't have to be open-source. It's interesting because, at least in in the field that we're in, um, more and more things seem to be open-sourced. So, in other words, if you're into big data, like almost all that stuff is open-sourced. Maybe because that stuff was invented and created in the sort of post-open-source era. So, a a counter-example would be databases. All the original databases were in the pre-open source era. So you have tons of databases that are closed source, and of course, a, a lot of databases that are, um, that are open source as well, because that happened during that transition. But if you look at like the NoSQL databases, those are all open source. I mean, there's a few that aren't. I know there's a few that aren't. But like, a huge number of them are. And companies that support it are open. You know, do it open source. All the big data stuff is open source. A lot of the machine learning stuff is open source. Even these companies like Google and Amazon, who are making APIs, also open source a lot of their stuff. So we're, we're in this sort of post open source as the norm world. And so uh, now that's not true of every industry, just to be clear. Like CAD software is not typically, there is open source CAD software, but like typically you're using AutoCAD, right? And so that, that's not true of all industries. But at least in, in ours, where about servers and data and, and scale, uh, technology scale and so forth. It happens that that stuff is just like a lot of open source. So therefore, we pick it a lot just because that actually is where a lot of the innovation is happening over the last 10 years in our space. But if we we're in a different market, it could be that you know a couple of components make sense, and then a whole bunch uh, don't make sense to be open source. I think you, you have to solve the problem that you have.
4: So you touched on a lot of points there that I think a product or engineering person would think about when they're choosing a solution: Does it work? Um, is it going to fit my needs? Um, you know, kind of breezed over a little bit the is the ecosystem active is the project supported and maintained as a matter of fact this comes up to me a lot when I speak at conferences is well how should I pick a plug-in as a matter of fact one of the number one advices is a uh, piece of advice I give beyond you know do uh, pen testing and all the other kind of code review stuff is see if the project is supported see if there's a community behind it if a business is supporting the open source project are they actively actually working on it so maybe through that lens you know there's people again here today in the audience and listening on the show um, who are more business oriented than technically oriented so as an entrepreneur or business owner how should you think about you know when you're when your engineering team comes and says oh we're going to use this open source framework what's your advice to them from like a risk perspective or a business perspective um, how would you approach that from a business you know and I know you kind of straddle both sides very effectively but how would you think about that with your business hat on So I think if
5: you're really building a business, then it's so risky already. Everything's risky. Can I get customers and you know, will I run out of money? And everything's hard. So you don't want to add risk where it's not necessary. So something like picking a database, picking a language, picking a framework, these are areas where to add extra risk here where you can make a, a low risk choice is just stacking the deck against you. That's a bad idea. So I think in that context, um, and, th- and then once you get to be a larger business like us, where you can say, well, we could, we, you know, we we could roll the dice. It's like yes, but if we deploy something and it goes to literally a million sites, um, then it has to be incredibly high quality because even a small defect rate, it actually means a thousand problems when we roll that out. So even there, it has to be really good. And of course, no small new project is really good. None of us can write like astoundingly excellent code uh, right off the bat. Right? That's not how that works. Except, except one guy, um, <laughs> and so, um, and, and and so, uh, so it, from a de-risking perspective, you want to see something active. What does active mean? Um, well, since the code is open, you can go see <laughs> are they adding code? Are they going in? You can read the code. Does this look organized, clean, documented? Are a lot of people contributing to it, or just one heroic person? Because if it's one heroic person, we all know if they get hit by a bus or get a real job or whatever, like that could be the end of the project. So you, you want to see lots of people that are part of it. Um, and so, so you can see that right on GitHub or wherever they keep their, their code. Um, are issues that are coming up getting fixed? You can also see those things. Or is it, are they languishing? Um, are there things like events or other kind of, or even online stuff um, or not? Because uh, you, you sort of need a certain scale and a certain organization in order to have things like events. So that's, that, could, that can be a good sign. Um, if you can go to the event, you should. A lot of times, just the tone and tenor of what's going on in there tells you a lot. Is everyone sort of depressed and moving around? And, or like is everyone super excited about what's going on? And, and up, that, can, that, that matters. I mean, no one of these is like the end, all right. Um, it, it, uh, is, are there sophisticated discussions going on in, this, in the discussion boards or issues? Um, so for example, some really strange corner Case issue with this language with this thing and then this thing breaks, and then people are arguing about how to do it that's actually a really good sign like if the issues we're talking about are these strange corner case ones that's a good sign that the thing is sophisticated and generally like the, the, the more obvious problems maybe they're fixed and so we're into this obscure stuff and maybe that means there's a lot of people using it therefore running to obscure things this is a good thing are, are the conversations uh you know deep and, and technical like, again that's a good thing if there's people like deep in doing that um so, uh, uh, another thing is the trends. So, t- tool th- places like GitHub and other places sometimes tell you stuff over time. This is just as important. Are there more and more commits over time? Are there more committers over time, people making, you know, doing the committing? Um, issues, issues fixed. Like, is that growing over the last couple of years or flat or? Or even going down tells you a lot. There are projects right now, for example, especially in JavaScript. JavaScript world, this is this is very common that something gets popular and, and there's hundreds of thousands of, of of things using the the the, the tool. Like it'll have 100,000 downloads, which sounds pretty good. And then, but if you look at the trends, it'll go this way. It'll start going down, and you're like, huh? As some new thing comes up in JavaScript, for whatever reason, it's very trendy. Like things go up and down uh, a lot. Only a few things sort of stay up, uh, go up and stay up. So like, for example, right now, if you look at some of the polls on things like Stack Overflow, um, where you look at languages, they specifically ask questions like, what do you use now? So there's a certain set of graphs, right? Um, what are you going to use in the future? And the graphs often look different. <laughs> um, what do you want to use? Once again, the graphs often look different. So in, order, in other words, to tease out what's, the tre- what's, the, uh, what's just the um, fad versus what's the real trend, um, sometimes with things like the JavaScript world, there's some good uh, data you can actually go get because of this. That's the best when you can. Uh, you can't always find that, but that's the best. Um, so, for example, if you look at uh, back to our world, if you look at CMSs, you can see WordPress every single year just grows in the percentage of the internet that it is, which is in general a healthy sign. And every time they do a release, it's it's usually a record number of people com, uh, contributing to that release, and so forth. And it's in the hundreds. Again, that's that's good. That's a lot of people um, who who got over the barrier of actually like putting code in, right? That's good. Um, and so, it, it, whereas the same chart from W three Text, for example, shows things like Drupal and Joomla just uh, level. And so that's not necessarily bad, it's just like one's thriving and one's just there. And so um, so, so th- there's all these signals of like, what does it mean to be healthy, growing, active? And those are the things, like whatever's doing that, um, that's, choosing that means you're de-risking the business. And again, I, f- I feel like de-risking is probably one of the better lenses to use. It's not the only lens, of course, um, but it's one of the best lenses. There are other things though, like um, there are some, there's sometimes there's a project where there's some other goal or effect that they're having that you care about. In other words, some are defenders of the GPL, and so they may not be the most popular, but they, they're going to go out there and, and really tout something that you find important. Or, or there, could be, you know, there could be other doing good in the world or, or some other part of the culture that you really like, and so maybe you pick them because of that. So I don't think that's bad either. I mean, you know, Part of all of us living in the world and making these kinds of choices about what we're gonna support with our time or money matters. And it's not just money, it's not just customers. What we choose to support matters. And so on the one hand, if you pick something that's really high risk, for that, like maybe, you know, you have to weigh. You have to weigh whether that risk is really worth it, but I think maybe, maybe on some minimum threshold, if it's over and, and you want to pick on some other criteria, that could be a very fulfilling and, and, and even an intelligent, sensible thing to do, even if it's on a, on a basis like that.
4: You know, it's interesting um, that you called out trends and you called out choosing based on what's important to you. I roll this advice up into when you pick a plugin or an open source project, you're choosing a partner in your business and whether or not you want to align your business with that. Um, the trend is also really interesting, especially when you start looking at um, peaks and valleys, and something was really popular six months ago, and then all of a sudden became unpopular, um, can be a sign that something's wrong with the, with the project. Um, it's interesting to hear you land on, on similar points on that. Um, but you're right, it is so important, and sometimes it's not just the features. So you use the word risk about eight times in that last uh, iteration there. Um, so I want to talk about risk. And, and this comes up a lot, and I've heard this actually quite a few times over the last few months. Oh my goodness, my engineers are going to post our proprietary code to an open source project. How do you view when a business or when a technology group should say, I'm going to keep this um, you know, proprietary versus I'm going to go ahead and release this into the open source world? So. So I think I do not think every
5: company should just open source everything they do. You can, and and some people think you should, and there's there's some interesting arguments for that. I don't think that's important. Um, But I do think it's a great exercise to think about, what if we did? What if every line of code that you wrote in the company were just published on the internet, and all your competitors could see it? The reason this thought experiment is great is because if the answer is, we're sunk, our competitors would just copy the thing and the other thing, and we would have nothing. And we would, you know, in two years, we would be out of business. If that's the answer, then you have a crappy business, and not because the code is going to be posted, or you know, but just because like that's all you got. That's the only value of the business. That's the only thing that differentiates you from the competitors. That's the only reason customers choose you over something else. Is some of this thing that you thought? Because of course, competitors can 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 copy stuff. Like without your code, they can make it good enough. They can make it 80% the same. Like that's a huge problem if that's the case, right? Regardless of whether you post the code. Also, how much code do you read that's posted? I read almost none because most of it's weird. And anyway, what do engineers do? They look at code, they're like, I can do better than that. Right? Like
4: we don't we don't copy code anyways. <laughs> I've, <laughs> right? I've never had someone look at code go, This is beautiful. Yeah, this is great. It's, it's I'm always, always just all this. Right? Always we crap. We don't do that you anyway. Even our own code. Always crap.
5: Yeah, maybe a line or two. Oh, that now that's clever. I'll take the one thing. But again, the that's clever. I'll take the one thing. That's. If that's the difference between whether your comp- your company succeeds or fails, you just haven't built a very good company that's defensible, that um, that is differentiated, um, and so forth. Like, uh, if that's all it takes, it's crappy. So that does not mean you automatically ought to post out your code. I'm not saying that, but um, but what I'm pointing out is it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter to the success or the defensibility, et cetera, of the business, the value of the business. It shouldn't matter what is open or closed. Now that's at a that's that's at a first level of of uh, Approximation, because that means you have a healthy business. Um, uh, if Facebook open sourced everything they ever made, it just wouldn't matter. You are not going to compete with Facebook because you have their code. In fact, they did open source a lot of their stuff. React is Facebook. That's what they made all their apps in. It's open source. It's it's actually currently the most popular JavaScript framework. But we'll see how that goes, right? <laughs> um, and they and they open source all their infra- their their physical infrastructure stuff, all of it. Uh, e- Elon open sourced all the battery stuff. I mean, if you think. I mean, the one thing that like Tesla has that's special is the batteries. That's why they built that billion square foot factory and you know, right, is to make batteries and yet that's open source right now. Like anyone could make the batteries right now. Who cares, right? The fact that he could do that proves how defensible a company is. So again, not saying you should, um, uh, although it would force the issue, but <laughs> the, the, that's not necessarily smart. But, but like you, should, you, should not, you should get to the point where you don't care. Now, in fact, you might care because of reasons, right? Like, there's lots of reasons why you don't want to necessarily put all your code out there. Um, I'll give you a counterexample of why not to put your code out there just so we're not pretending like open source is always always smart. Um, so uh, besides secret formulas, I guess they're secret formulas. But, but uh, here's another reason. Once you put your code out, um, other engineers who read it will now judge you based upon that code and you know engineers <laughs> they will not be kind unless that code is immaculate so actually that's something that we think about when we release code because of course we make open source stuff we also have closed source stuff and uh, and when it's open we actually think like is this is this good enough to make it open because our reputation is tied to what it looks like if we're not If we don't have good coding standards, if we don't have good comments, if it's not maintainable, if someone else can't come in and actually make a change potentially and and contribute that back, um, et cetera, uh, then then it'll look like we are bad at writing code.
2: Time to plug into a commercial break. Stay tuned for more Press This in just a moment.
3: WebmasterRadio.fm is the destination for education, entertainment, and engagement.
1: Hello, I'm Hector Elizondo, and I want to talk to you about getting older. My body hurts, my joints ache, and sometimes I forget.
2: I forget that doing all your own scenes for a movie isn't always the best decision, especially when you're galloping high speed on a horse named Archibello. So yes, my body hurts, but it's not because of my age. It's because I'm living my life. Don't let life pass you by. Take care of your brain health. It may just help you stay on top of your game. (laughs) Oh, Archibello! Learn more at brainhealth.gov.
3: Welcome to the Webmaster Institute for Financial Advancement, WebmasterRadio.fm. It's like radio with a Ph.D.
2: WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Let's press forward with more. Press this only on WebmasterRadio.fm.
3: You're listening to a special presentation of Press This as we're listening into a session presented by WP Engine entitled Transforming Your Business with Open Source with the founder of WP Engine, Jason Cohen.
4: You know, that's funny. When I first started speaking in front of public audiences, it wasn't the speaking part that was the most nervous part for me. It was knowing whether or not I was going to say something valuable um, that the audience would want. But it's interesting to hear you think about that from the open source context. So I have one more question. and I'm going to open it up to the audience. Um, I heard you speak about this recently, um, talking about WP Engine's growth. Um, you know, it's getting, uh, grown to 100 million in ARR last year. 75,000 customers, tons and tons of sites. And you made some interesting observations on um, WP Engine preserving its kind of open source roots and culture as the company grows. So if there's people in the audience that are just starting out in their business or or starting to get to that accelerating point, how do you preserve that culture um, without sacrificing the culture for um, the drive for revenue? Okay, so culture is a topic
5: that could take another hour, <laughs> right? Well, you
4: have five minutes, so we okay. can it. <laughs> um, no, no but, but
5: that is because the, um, it is not a silver bullet thing. Well, what is, really, right? It, it takes a lot of things. The things you do every day, the things you do occasionally, the big things, the, the, and just like love, it's the little things as well as the big things, right? Um, it, culture is the same. And so, so, so the, it has to be a lot of answers. Um, and you have to be ever vigilant about what your culture is. So the first thing is to know what it is, which means you have to write it down somehow, usually in the form of values or something like this. And and, and, and the problem is that's usually where it ends. The values go on the wall, and that's it. <laughs> like And then everyone knows, eh, whatever. That's, I guess that's our culture. But of course it isn't. Culture is what actually happens. <clears throat> so the way you uh, actually have a culture is by making the difficult decisions based on it. Making uh, choices that are... Uh, even difficult for you to manage, or even bad for the company, but right for the culture. When you make that choice, the thing that costs you more, but it's the right thing to do based upon what you've decided was the right thing to do. An example is social good. You know, Patagonia does a million things um, because it's part of the culture. Not be- obviously, d- doing each one of those things costs them more money. Now, of course, they have a belief that by doing all these things, number one, good things are going to happen in the world. And number two, that karma works in it, in not literally and exactly, but, but, um, but effectively. And that, hey, if, if we're really doing great things for the environment and the world, then people want to buy our stuff and overpay for it, by the way. So that those things happen. And they do. So in that, in, in that indirect sense, the karma can work. So when you have that kind of belief, then you can live those things. So for example, in Patagonia, at Patagonia, um, it, you get bail. The company will bail you out of jail if you get arrested for doing something to protect the environment. Um, and so, like, like this is an example of like what, what does it look like to and, and like. But that could be anything and anywhere in the world, and it could be expensive. it's like, right? No, we don't care because that's what we're doing. So you know, it can be it can be big choices like that. We're little things. Um, so WP Engine, for example, one of ours is is uh, uh, do the right thing, and we have a whole list of what we mean by that. So it's not just a phrase. We we specify what, what that looks like. Um, so, for example, one of the things is just to be just to show you that it's not bullshit. Um, is if it's right for you, and it's right it's if it's right for the customer, and it's right for the company, and you're proud of your decision, then you can change your mind. Then, <laughs> then you've done the right thing. And it could be a mistake. You could even decide it yourself; it was a mistake, but you'd still do the right thing, right? So, we, these kind of things where we define what we mean. Um, so should we give a refund to somebody that's way more than we need to and also costs us $5,000? Is it doing the right thing? Are you proud of it? Is it the right thing for everybody? Is, is, like, never mind what our policy is. Is that the right thing to do? Yes? You see, so when you make a choice that costs the, money, the company money, right then, that's living the culture. Or something difficult like um, making a PR announcement that hurts the brand, but it's honest. And the first thing we should do is be honest with our customers and immediately, which we've done in the past. So there, there are these moments or what you, of course it's what you tolerate, the behavior that you tolerate if, if someone's great at their job professionally, and, but, but they do this and that, and you tolerate that. Again, you're choosing, you're, you're choosing against the culture. Um, so there's, there's many forms in which that can take. Um, and, and also celebration. A lot of times we talk about penalty. We should fire the assholes uh, that way in culture. You know, oh, we have to give a big refund, okay. You know, these, are, these are the negatives in a sense, like an, a negative case. But there's also celebration, the positive case. And so, uh, for example, something we do every day is um, when you're a new uh, uh, employee at WP Engine, you get a, a notepad with a, th- that's a, a, f- a hand going like this. It's like a Post-It notepad like this. And what you do, they're high fives, and when someone does something, anything that you just sort of like, you can put fr- from so-and-so to so-and-so thanks for helping me with the thing. It doesn't have to be it's not formal, right? And we put these on the wall, and so by the end of the month, in the in the kitchen, it's just this wall of these high fives of people just helping each other, doing whatever, and then we take them down and, and read a few of them and give out little gift cards. The, the exact stuff is not material. The point is that we're celebrating people who are doing things like doing the right thing. Um, celebrating is just as important as, as you know doing things when they're hard. They're all all of it's part of, of culture, and again, like we go on and on about about that because it's hard um, to, to value that over other things. But our belief is that if we believe in these things, that that success is born out of a team that wants to do these things. And in fact, our fourth one is best is uh, built to last. So, in other words, one of our cultural values is to to uh, to build a company that is robust and lasts, and, and that can mean many things. And our fifth one is committed to give back. And that's where the open, for us, that's where open source um, most obviously slots in because we gain so much by being part of these the, the communities, um, not just WordPress, uh, many things, Linux and MySQL and Nginx and just all kinds of things, right, And th- that we want to participate in and give back to, um, as well as Austin and London and Limerick and all the places that we're in and the, the physical places we're at. So that me- giving back, of course, in, in communities means many different kinds of things. We're of course, talking about open source, so okay, we'll focus on that, but it means a lot of things. And so we, it's right there in our, in, our, in our values, and thus we do things there uh, a lot.
4: So to kind of sum all that up, you view the culture as a pillar and driver of growth, not an asset to be traded for more revenue. Right, with a great culture
5: that's true, you'll attract and retain talent, because we're doing this for a bigger reason than just revenue. And, you know, these things need to be organized in a, in a way that does make a company because it's not a charity, it is a company. Even if we give a, a lot to charity <laughs> because of the value which we do, but still, as a whole, it's not sustainable if it's not making money, of course, right? It's not, not going to last if it's not doing that. So, of course, but the way we're, that, that should be an outcome. That should be an outcome, and the value should be, help us understand how we get to that outcome. And, and, yeah, it's true that we sort of just have faith. Um, that this plus trying to be intelligent about what we do and our strategies and stuff will will, will have a good outcome? Of course, but isn't every company in, a, in some level has to have faith that this product is going to be needed by a lot more people than are using it today? <laughs> like, And and we're going to be able to hire a bunch of people that want to work here, I guess. Like, All this is an element of faith, obviously. And so at least, though, we'll know that we're doing this stuff in getting there, and that that's good, because no matter what happens, we can sleep well at night going, okay, but it, it, no matter what, at least we did... We did it. We did it what we feel we're proud of, and in, in life, like what else? There's not a whole lot more you can sort of ask for from life. Is like I feel like I didn't waste my time and did something I'm proud of, and did something that I I think I hope was a net good in the world. I mean, other than that, I'm not sure what else you can expect.
4: <laughs> well, I, I really appreciate those thoughts. So we do have time for uh, probably two questions here, running sh- short at the end here. Um, I'm going to bring the mic to you so others can hear you on the show. And uh, go ahead and grab this gentleman here. You can ask a question of Jason. Thank you. So, hi, Jason, fellow Austinite. Congratulations on WP
5: Engine's success. Uh, you talked, you touched on this earlier when you said eh, maybe there's some times you don't want to open source, like if all the code is scary or something someone could judge. Do you have any good examples of companies of of products that are mature and have decided at a later date that they wanted to open source and and either you know, success stories or cautionary tales from there, because that's kind of deciding after the fact versus at the start is, is, is fairly different, right? Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, there's lots of examples. Um, Sun open sourced everything. A multi-billion dollar company, and they open sourced Java and then Solaris. And now Sun has other kinds of financial issues, but they were having that before they open sourced it, so that's not, as a, that's not a cause. So I guess the better question is, okay, so after open sourcing Java, what new competition did they face? I'm not aware of any. I'm not aware of anything that happened where people said, well, now that I can see how Java works, comma, I'll beat Sun at something or other. Like, or Solaris, Solaris is open sourced. Nobody cares. I mean, now we get to use some of the components in there, but like, new competitors to Sun about something or other? So IBM also famously has open sourced a ton of stuff um, over the years as they've transitioned um, you know, into, the, into the sort of Linux age, because of course they embraced Linux. Um, in fact, that's even a, a, an interesting story. If you look at the trajectory of sales of the, of, of the non-Linux stuff, um, that did not aff- they didn't affect their own growth or decline curve by embracing Linux. But they did create new business by embracing Linux. Um, of course, so did the rest of the world because we all benefit by Linux being um, open and being supported by people like uh, Red Hat and, and IBM. And yet, like I, I don't know anyone that thinks that any any of IBM's trajectory has to do with them open, you know, contributing to Linux. <laughs> like i never heard that as an explanation for something. So these are examples of old school behemoth, multi-billion-dollar, multi-million lines of code type of companies that open sourced it to no ill effect. Um, so, you know, so so yeah, I think I think actually there's a lot. Microsoft is on some. I'm, not, I'm less familiar with exactly what, but you know, .NET is and you know there's there's various things that it is. And again, like I, I, people adopting or not adopting .NET as a result, like I don't think there's any difference. And I don't and I don't know there's like now there's a competing framework to .NET because Microsoft like I've never heard that <laughs> because we're, also we're engineers. We don't do that. We just go invent it again. <laughs> like that's what we do anyway. Um, so you could argue that it didn't help them, either. Uh, it's hard to say, because these are not experiments that are A-B tests. Um, so on the one hand, you could argue more people would use Java because of these benefits, like, oh, if Sun does go out of business, which we worry about, um, oh, oh, Java, at least I'll be able to use what I already have. It may not progress, but I won't, be, it won't stop working anyway. And so that's comfortable. Or maybe nobody cares. I don't know. And, and since it's not a real experiment, I'm not sure you can know. Um, but I, I definitely don't think anyone thinks it hurt them.
4: Jason, we have one more question, and then uh, we'll wrap up. I'm a very happy customer of WP Engine. So you. Um, you. curious uh, your thoughts on uh, artificial intelligence, near-term applications um, for either WordPress or WP Engine.
5: I think artificial intelligence in the short term is not as good as people think it is and in the long term probably is as good as the prognosticators say that it is. Uh, in the short term, I go to Amazon and it still shows me crap that I don't want. So, and they're really good at it. And in fact, their business grows by billions of dollars if they're better at it. So this is as good as it can be. And it isn't that good. Or I looked at something uh, two weeks ago and it's still showing me crap. And I already bought that thing. Or I was looking for a, a present for a friend and now you think I like that. Like AI is still really bad. Now, certain things like image—you know—it's image recognition is another good example. Bad, 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 bad. Oh my God, it's better than me, <laughs> right? So I think that will be a curve that we see in different areas in AI all over the place. Not, not really anything, and then, oh wow, that kind of does change everything. So I think in the long run it changes everything. In the short run it does not. So what do we look at it for? Um, there are specific aspects of our business internally <clears throat> where it's possible that AI now could be helpful an example is anything where we have an absolute crap ton of data ie a lot input and there's something useful that we want to get out of it maybe even a binary uh, output um, in which machine learning could maybe be better than human beings you know pawing through stuff so security is a good example so is so is a uh, um, Scale though, so for on the security front, the obvious thing is, you know, again we block a hundred million things a day, but we we have five or six billion requests a day on the platform, so that's actually a small number. Surely more than that is bad stuff, <laughs> right? And so um, uh, we have plenty of data for training sets and this and that. And so could we, uh, you know, use that to block more stuff, maybe even more dynamically because it can be watching and you know whatever. So okay, so these are good questions that maybe AI is in a position to help with now. That'd be nice. Um, I think. <clears throat> there could be also things about the, uh, the the natures of monitoring the systems. In other words, um, two startups ago, um, we made uh, server room climate monitors. Put a little temp sensor in, in, uh, in the server room and humidity and other stuff, and once things go wrong, you get, a, you get a page, because that's how long ago it was. And uh, it was really, really useful. Well, one of the things we learned was, when you put temp sensors in things like the return vents here, um, you know, you see the AC cycle on and off, right? Oh, it gets a little warm, then it gets cool again, and it just does this little thing. Well, and it has this nice little pattern normally, and uh, then you start seeing these weird jitters in the thing. And what's that? And that's the system that needs maintenance. Now, if you don't do anything, it'll just break, and you have to. You have a, a an event that you know. Oh no! And something has to shut down, and there's emergency crap. And people are on the weekends. Or if you know that a maintenance event is maybe coming, you could plan it and it's not the weekend and you could tell customers, I don't know, whatever. Of course, it's way better if you can mitigate it, fix it before it breaks, and go back. The data shows you that in in that very simple example. that is that kind of wave pattern that changes. That's exactly the kind of thing machine learning is actually pretty good at, even now, right? So imagine that, but for our seven thousand servers, and whether it's requests and latency and disk and blah 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 blah. You could imagine a lot of these numbers were something like that about proactive maintenance or other kinds of you know, other kinds of intelligence, which a human being cannot process all the streams, that could be really uh, helpful for us operationally. So that's another example that maybe there's some something to be to be seen there. Another one might be in support, not doing robo-chat, I don't think we're there, but the reverse. What's going on with our tech support? We, 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 we do um, many tens of thousands of just chats a month, not to mention tickets and phone calls. So could we learn more about what is going on? Are there patterns that... Um, that aren't just being tagged by a person that we could learn. And then, oh, you know, we should add a feature for this because people are asking for it in a way that's more subtle than the, than the most obvious things. That's a little harder, but possible. So those are just some examples of how we, we think about, uh, could could AI or machine learning be useful today? Then um, for our customers, there's things like personalization or other things that the website might, you know, ultimately you want a website that has a special experience for everyone that comes, that's individualized for them. Again, I feel like the technology there is not Good enough it, it, it's good for some things, I and mean, we do it on our own website, but it's not you know a magical thing where there's a Robo concierge for every person that's really smart, like that's not the case, right um, but that's a goal. I think it's a goal for the whole you know world the whole marketing world is, is to have that so to the extent that we want to be part of that, which means working with partners or having our own views, of course bringing our own data to the party, there's lots of other data out there that we don't have, so it's probably an amalgamation of data and ask like Together, can we do something useful with all of this? Um, those are the kind of things that we're interested in, in terms of like how could we how could we use some of these things for our customers' benefit as well.
4: Jason, I want to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of. And. Thanks from our live studio audience here in South by Southwest for joining us today. And thanks, everybody, for listening to the Press This WordPress community podcast on Webmaster Radio. As always, you can subscribe on iTunes, iHeartRadio, or download episodes at webmasterradio.fm. Look for Press This on the left-hand side. Thanks, everybody, and have a great day.